Welcome to MLB.com Extras. I'm Danny Wexelman with Adam McAlvey, who covers the Brewers for MLB.com. And we are now post-winter meetings. And Adam, you and I talked all week about what the Brewers could do, what they should do, what they're not doing. I mean, we had enough to say about it. But finally, in the last minute before GM David Stearns, I'm building this up, could board his plane, his flight home, he goes and makes a deal. And listen, Adam, I wanted to mention before we say what the deal is, everyone should know, but Stearns had said he was comfortable with his pitching staff, but they're always looking to get better on, on MLB Network. And then he goes and gets Alex Claudio from the Rangers. He's a 26-year-old left-handed reliever. And what I want to know is what went into this deal and what is the upside for the Brewers to bring this guy in? Well, upside is he's good and he can pitch multiple innings and he has a couple years left of club control. He's just entering his arbitration period of his career and he has at least one minor league option. Um, so he has the flexibility in terms of usage and in terms of kind of roster manipulation that the Brewers really like. And that was really important to them last year. If you look at the long list of players that they used, um, a lot of those, the, the key to those players was flexibility. So, um, you know, he, his, his ERA wasn't as pretty last year as it was the year before, but he's a ground ball pitcher. And David Stern said, when you dive into some of the numbers and, and sort batting average on balls in play is one that we can all look at and see it jumped significantly over the previous year. And sometimes for a ground ball pitcher, you have one of those years where those ground balls get through and the Brewers contention and John Daniels of the Rangers said the same thing is that happened for whatever reason to Alex Claudio in 2018. So the Brewers are confident that he can be a, a pitcher that helps them. And again, the, the, the key thing of all those little factors that I talked about besides that he gets guys out is the multi-inning flexibility. And that's a big part of what the Brewers are looking for as they construct this bullpen again. That was a big uh, deal for Craig Council down the stretch last season, and everyone saw it in the postseason. But they made aggressive moves to that pen. You, you know, to be aggressive like that, you often need guys who can go multi-innings. And when you look at the list of Brewers relievers beyond those, the three big boys at the end, well, even, even including those guys at the end, Jeffress, Josh Hader, Corey Knebel, those are all pitchers who plenty of times last year, especially Josh Hader, went multiple innings. Taylor Williams is a good arm, young arm that they like, can definitely go multiple innings. Uh, Junior Guerra came on late last year, a, a former opening day starter, but he was useful in the pen at the end, definitely can go multiple innings. And now Alex Claudio, and there's more on that list. So they're clearly trying to build a pen that will allow them to do something like what they did late in the year, not to the same extreme. You can't do it over 162 games in the National League, but you can flirt with it by having guys that can pitch you, you know, that can throw a lot of pitches. And something that we have talked about and, and David Stearns has stressed is that don't go expecting any big splashes. This was certainly not a huge splash. This was a, hey, we could yeah. use this guy. He fits in well, and he's not going to cost us an arm and a leg. Um, but there are teams in the NL Central who are making bigger splashes per se, the St. Louis Cardinals going and getting Paul Goldschmidt, for example. And I thought it was really interesting. Dan Plesak, MLB Network's uh, Dan Plesak, said at the winter meetings that for once, 
the Brewers aren't worried about what the Cubs are doing. The Cubs are worried about what the Brewers are doing. And I wanted to know what your take on that was because the Cubs have been pretty quiet as well. Uh, they, they, there are reports out today actually that they're they're going to get Daniel Descalso, but that's not that's not a threatening move by any means yeah. for the Brewers. Well, the Cubs have kind of the same budgetary issues that the Brewers do this offseason. The silver lining to that is, and the reason for it really is that they both have good teams, and they have teams built with controllable players that are getting deeper into their careers and thus are making more money. So they're kind of in similar places and that they're not as well positioned to make big splashes like both clubs did last winter. Um, I saw that Dan Plesak comment too, and, and I'm glad we're talking about it because first I want to plug where it came from. It came from, I think we saw it in the same place, Danny. It came from, yeah, Sophia Minert is doing these series of behind the scenes um, little video I don't know, even know what you call them, video pieces. And it's for, yeah, and it's, it's they're kind of cool. This one was cool. You got a, kind of a look inside the suite, um, a little, some behind the scenes stuff. They went clay shooting with Josh Hader, and I know they have a lot more coming. So one, plug that, and, and that's where it came from. Um, and number two, so I, I love, to me, the most interesting thing that's going on in baseball right now is the clash between the way it's always been done and this new school, data-driven, unemotional, I use this word a lot from Mark Atanasio, the Brewers owner, he describes David Stearns as agnostic. It's a more agnostic way of managing your baseball team. Um, and I think the Plesak comment reminded me of that because I think Plesak, what he was saying represents the, I don't want to say old way because it sounds pejorative, but like the, the way we used to think about things is that rival teams would sort of one, one would make a move and the other would answer. The Red Sox would pick up player X, you know, a big deal. And the Yankees would be expected to answer. Um, I, I think, I, I don't think that GMs of today think about it that way. Um, and it's really interesting. I, I you know, I, they definitely say that. And I think when you look at kind of the evidence of, of, when you look around baseball at what teams are doing, I, I think actually sort of their moods back it up that they are just much more worried about building their own club the best way they can. And I don't think teams make these decisions like they did as emotionally as they used to. And it's, it's a little sad <laughs> kind of from a baseball fan's perspective, because the winter meetings used to be partly driven by this kind of emotion where you get everybody in the same place and they're down in the bar with cigars and napkins and doodling ideas. And you hear about one team making a deal. And then the other guy would say, ah, you know, I got to make a deal too. That's my old timey GM voice. And, uh, and they would, and they would, they would pull off these big trades and sort of the winter meetings were this, um, you know, it was like this competitive, their competitive juices would get flowing. And you hear stories from my colleagues who've been to the winter meetings past of literally, Danny, you saw it where there's a workroom with the media kind of table set up, and then there's a, a stage in front where they do press conferences throughout the week. And some of them are scheduled, the Hall of Fame announcement, for example, this uh, great auction they did to, to uh, rate each club put in. But then they also, if there's a signing. So Nate Evaldi was there when he finalized his deal with the Red Sox. Um, the Rays made some news regarding their stadium, and they had a press conference there. But, you know, there's like maybe one, maybe one a day. And the old uh, writers who've been doing this for, you know, decades, they say there was a time 
where there would literally be GMs and players lined up at the back of the room because they would come in to do their press conference. So the Cardinals would do this big thing, and then the Mets would come in and do this big thing, and then the Yankees would have a big thing, and the, someone would sign a free agent, and he was there. And there was no need to worry about, like, the physicals and legal and all this other stuff that happened. No, they just signed a deal guy and they worried about the details later so it's kind of uh, this is like I'll, I'll, i'm getting pretty far away from Plesak's thing, but it's just, this is what popped in my mind is it sort of was a reminder of kind of a bygone and again i don't mean to say this negatively of Plesak because i love him i mean he's he's brewer through and through but it is sort of a, a I, I think maybe a different way of thinking than it that the teams actually think of i don't think the cubs Theo Epstein and Jed Hoyer are making moves based on, I don't think they're trying harder to make their team better because the Brewers are competitive because the Cardinals got Paul Goldschmidt because the Reds are adding this winger. I just think they are going to make their best team. The one other thing that, that strikes me, and I, I wrote a story about this last week during the winter meetings um, regarding the NL Central, and it was Jed Hoyer of the Cubs who pointed this out. The NL Central is the only division now in baseball that doesn't have a rebuilding team. You know, it, de- it depends how, how you look at the Pirates. But, I mean, the Pirates traded for Chris Archer last July. So, you know, I, I don't think you can say that they're, uh, you know, they're rebuilding. You certainly can't say tanking. And when you look around, sometimes look at the standings, and you can find at least one team in every other division that is clearly in that rebuild. So this is a, this is a competitive division um, to begin with. And, you know, whether it's the Brewers looking up at the Cubs or the Cubs looking up at the Brewers, however you view where those rosters are at right now, there's pressure on all the GMs in this division to field a competitive team because there's not going to be any easy games. Right, and I think the thing, too, that I've had conversations with other writers before who who are um, furiously working to cover what's going on this offseason is that it's almost risky to try and counter in today's age because if you're yeah. just trying to make a bigger move or a better move for the sake of doing it, you, it's usually going to come back and bite you today because there's so much information. There's so many numbers and, and just intangibles, tangibles, all of those things that you can find someone who doesn't look like the counter move but really is um, to, you know, to the people who are really, you know, inside baseball, they know that this move is just as good. It just doesn't maybe on paper or in person look or sound as great. But that is the, that's the word that a lot of, of you guys used. It was risky. It's very risky yeah. to counter um, attacks like that. Well, look, and it's, again, it's a sign of the money is a lot bigger than it used to be. So the risk is higher in that sense. And you just have, you said it, a lot more information and you have a lot more people analyzing that information. That's the biggest change. Like recently, all of these teams have these tremendous armies of data analysts to try to predict the future in a very unpredictable game. And if a GM wants to make a move, it used to be the GM just made the move. And if it worked, if it worked great. And if it didn't, you know, sometimes it didn't. And you chalk that up to sometimes it doesn't work. I think now there is much more reluctance to make moves by gut and there's just a lot more data involved in it. And, you know, maybe the way they do it now, it's definitely, well, I mean, I don't, I want to say definitely, but, but maybe it's smarter. Um, It's just less fun for, where (laughs) all of us there, we don't care. It's not our money. 
So like, <laughs> we, want, we want wheeling and dealing and madness. Um, yeah, you wouldn't be running through the hotel lobby with your hair on fire trying to track down what's going on. Yeah, and and you know what? This year, it's it nowadays rather it's much more common that there legitimately isn't as much going on. Teams still talk. There's lots of discussions, um, but in terms of yeah. like having deals that are like right ready to pop, there's just you know it it, it happens later now. And you know, look, that's one of the things that came out of the winter meetings, kind of on the sidelines, is. Um, a lot of resources get put into covering the winter meetings and bringing them to fans. And there's there, I think there's a discussion to be had about, um, you know, is that worthwhile now when move, you know, again, Kane and Yelich for the Brewers, that was January 25th. And that's, and look at how many players last year were unsigned late, late, late into the off season and into spring training. Um, that's becoming more and more common with the, the, today's brand of GM. And, um, yeah. Yeah. It's the game. It's, it's shifted. It's made, it's made a really huge shift actually. And I think that the winter meetings don't necessarily control the the timeline anymore. Whereas maybe in years past, you know, people didn't have cell phones, so they had to talk in person or or whatever the case may be. Dave Dombrowski of the Tigers uh, or of the Red Sox said it, they'd want to get their stuff done so they could go to the beach for a couple of weeks. Um, you know, they'd want to take some, they'd want to get their moves done and then <laughs> yeah. give everybody a break. And he made it's a great point. There is absolute for GMs, there is absolutely zero break in the schedule. I wrote about David Stearns during the postseason, and you know, at the time he was right around his third anniversary of being the GM. He had taken one day off work, it was his wedding day. Um, literally one day where he wasn't working. That's a brutal schedule, and um, it, it's just another way the game is changing. And a lot of it is that it's just a lot more money involved. There's right. a lot more at stake. Now, Adam, do you remember um, the promise that you made me last week at the winter meetings that has to do with David Stearns? Oh, no. Yeah. T- t- uh, yes. Share it again. Okay. I asked you if you could just do one thing for me. I thought it would be so interesting to just look at a GM's phone at their missed call list or just look at their text message list to see the first five people who last five five people they were texting with. And you said, yeah, I'll ask him. He won't do it, but I'll ask him. But I think I did. You ask him, Adam. I think I told you I would ask him just to like stop, just to like keep the podcast from going on for an hour. No, I did not ask him that because I literally was not uh, the way that again it came. I was not. I, I did not have a one-on-one conversation with mm-hmm. him over the course of the entire week. We got him in a room. All right. Well, if you're listening to this podcast right now, <laughs> please tweet it, Adam McCalvey, that you're disappointed he didn't fulfill yeah, my promise. Uh, anyway, I, I, can I say I had my fingers crossed when I said I would do that? Absolutely not. You didn't. You know why I know this? Because your hand was on your knee, just like mine, and your other hand was holding your microphone. So no way your fingers could have oh, been that's crossed. That's right. There's a photo. There's of photo proof. That. Let's try to. Yeah. There's photo okay. proof, my friend. Listen, I still think it would be so interesting. Just, just a little peek, real quick. Just flash your phone. Let me see the last ten missed calls you have. It would be great. It would be I interesting. Think we need to find a GM. We need. Unless to it was just GM his mom. Who would- let us do that. And I just, I promise you, it's not David Stearns. I love him, but it's not David <laughs> All right, all right. Fair enough. That's Let fair enough. Like Don't harass Adam on Twitter. I was just kidding. That would be awful. Former GM. Yeah. Yeah, okay. I mean, that's, Duke would do that. Us. 
Okay. Probably I'm going to text Duke after this. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No one cares about that. <laughs> okay. The last thing, Adam, we have to talk about is Tim Dillard. Uh, because as we were talking earlier about Alex Claudio coming from the Rangers, Tim Dillard is now going to the Rangers, and he has just been a staple in the Brewers organization for an extremely long time. He um, has been playing baseball, I think um, I looked the other day, hold on, let me get this number eight, for no. um, 12 okay, I'm sorry. seasons. He, he has been, I'm pretty sure... I'm going to look this up right now as we talk, but basically what I what I wanted to know from you, because I know you know him well and you've spent a lot of time with him, were some of your favorite Tim Dillard memories. Oh, my God. Yeah, there's a lot of them. So he pitched 16 seasons in the Brewers minor league system, which is sort of unheard of in, in today's game. He made it to the big leagues in parts of four, uh, but he hadn't made the big leagues since 2012. And then kind of since then, for people who don't know the Dillard story, He's pitched in the minor leagues, and then he's also just like an absolute genius about putting together these hilarious video clips. And they're almost hard to explain. Like some of them are little skits. Some of them are almost music videos. Some of them are just silliness with teammates. He'll quiz kind of like man on the street with teammates. A lot of stuff with his kids. A lot of stuff with Ben Zobris, his good buddy from uh, the Nashville area. He's just like a total genius. Um, And he was so fun to follow. Um, and look, from a baseball perspective, he actually filled an important role because the Brewers, the last few years, their AAA team moved from Nashville, where he loved so much he made a home, to Colorado Springs, where there are a lot, just like the Rockies, there's games that kind of get out of hand. There's weird games because it's gigantic outfield, wind, altitude, the whole combination of factors. And they would use Dillard in a lot of those games to soak up innings to sort of spare the kind of prospecty pitchers from games that can negatively impact their player development. So he played like he played a significant role. And what's happening now is the Brewers AAA club has moved to San Antonio. And theoretically, they won't have as many of those types of games. And the Brewers, Dillard said he talked to Tom Flanagan, their farm director, and they felt bad, but they just didn't have a spot for him this year. The Rangers, meanwhile, their AAA team's moving to Nashville and they are going to let him pitch. So... You know, this is a guy who still he still thinks that he can make it back to the big leagues. And, you know, you got to throw out his ERA because it's Colorado Springs and it's in a lot of these sort of weird baseball games. Um, I'm really curious to see what he does with the Rangers. His, his, if he goes to AAA, his pitching coach is going to be Brian Schaus, who was a Brewers teammate, um, a left-hander who pitched until Pope's 41st birthday. And one of Dillard's best memories is celebrating uh, Brian Childs' 40th birthday in 2008. I remember them getting a rocking chair and all signing it. Dillard remembers an inflatable walker. Um, But here we are all those years later, a decade later, and now Dillard is kind of the old guy pitching for the Rangers. And I said, you know, what's it going to be like in the new clubhouse? And he said, well, he's going to keep his head down and be quiet. But uh, he says a lot of these guys are going to know who I am meaning the Rangers' young hitters. And he said, I'm responsible for getting them, a lot of them to the big leagues. So they owe me. So he's self-deprecating about the whole thing. My favorite my favorite uh, Dillard story probably was my um, unwitting appearance in one of his videos. He was called up in September as a social media extra. And 
15 and middle of the game he taps me on the shoulder and he uh he says come back come back and into the dining room and i go back there he says just react and i sit down the camera's rolling and he sits down next to me he says, just react and and the song go cubs go comes on <laughs> he just turns and stares at me and i have no idea how to react now i'm supposed to Terrible. It's one of his worst videos because of my dumb mug. But it was a it was a absolute joy to be uh, involved in the Dillard production. Yeah, he's a he, he's a hoot, man. He's really all right. Now I have my tail between my legs because did you say it was eighteen seasons? Is that what you said? Sixteen seasons. Sixteen. 16. Okay, yeah. sixteen, not twelve. My bad. I'm sorry, Tim Dillard. Well, not I twelve. You had. I thought you were gonna say twelve at a certain level or something like that. Twelve, yeah, sixteen. I, I, you know what? Really, it's because I can't count. Um, it's not because I can't read. It's because I can't add or subtract years. Um, so sixteen, yeah. and he is, uh, he's thirty-five, and he will turn thirty-six in July. So I mean, just impressive in so many different facets of who he is, and and he that is something that's super underappreciated is the fact that he is helping these guys get yeah. to their dreams while he's still trying to chase his own. Yeah. And look, you never know. I mean, baseball, how many, you know, there's been great stories in baseball through the years and you never know when a team has a need. Doug Melvin used to always say, if you have a uniform, you have a chance. And the Brewers oh. weren't able to offer him a uniform, but the Rangers were so good for him. And he gets to pitch at home and he said, make his kids sandwiches in the morning and, um, so I'm, I'm, that's pretty I, I cool. Think everybody is, is really happy for him and he'll, I, you know, he'll, he will end up back in Milwaukee, uh, whether it's broadcasting something in the front office coaching, he is definitely a guy I think that they value. And I, I predict he'll be back. All right. Awesome. Okay. My friend, uh, we are taking a break next week for the holiday season and we'll be back, um, either the first or second week of January, uh, any parting words, uh, happy holiday wishes for all our friends who suffer well, through our podcast uh, each week. Something is on my mind. Yes, yesterday I had a fantastic conversation with Brent Suter for one of my favorite silly things okay. to do every year, a holiday Q&A that will be on the site very soon after people are listening to this podcast. And um, I asked okay. him what his he's just a, he's just a fantastic person. And, I, I hope people look at it. He had a baby this year. He's, he had Tommy John surgery this year. He's kind of had this wide range of emotions. And um, I asked him what his New Year's resolution is, and he gave such a cool answer. He said he's going to try next year to do something nice for somebody else, to try to make somebody else's day every day. And I thought that was like a really cool wow. resolution. Say something nice to somebody, whatever it is, do you know, whatever. Yeah. And uh, so that's kind of on my mind. I think I'm going to co-opt his, his uh, New Year's resolution. Oh, man, it'd be great. Could you imagine if we all did that? I know. Yeah, we need a little bit of that. What a wonderful world. <laughs> we do. I love that. I might, try, I might try to take that on, too. I've got to think about some resolutions I'd like to make. Good. I think... Uh, I have some high expectations for 2019, so you should set those gears, those gears and goals in motion. But um, it doesn't involve a gym. Yeah. Ooh. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah all those uh, those people who, who come at the beginning of the year to set their goals. Sure. <laughs> you know what? At least yeah. at least they're giving it a shot, you know. I guess that's that's the silver lining to that. Um all right, so that will be on brewers.com. We are recording on Tuesday. So uh again, by the time you're listening to this, it'll definitely be up on brewers.com. Adam will share on his social media too. So give that some love. because uh, we know you guys are so very loyal to Mr. Adam McKelvey. No, um, I mean you're brewers saying team. that as if I'm supposed to say yeah, but I don't Adam, anything else? The people, I'm, I'm very thankful for the peoples. And, I know. Yeah, you're supposed to be. Fantastic Christmas slash holiday slash whatever you celebrate <laughs> and a great new year. And um, yeah, we'll all be a year older when, I, when we talk next. Okay, I can't wait with Adam McCalvey. I'm Danny Wexelman. Happy holidays and thank you guys so much for tuning in.